0: about me, huh? You don't know where I came from. So uh, this is actually ours notebook, and he told me that I could bring it out for him. I thought about writing some things I thought were fabulous about him, but I don't think he's going to like that. Maybe I should. <laughs> I am excited about the science fair. I'm excited about commencement. We have a lot of people coming here to Kansas City, and oh, you know, it's not going to be springtime when you come, but it's beautiful here. It's absolutely beautiful. So get ready, get ready, get ready. It's going to be fabulous. What is that? What are you doing? I was going to write about you. (laughs) Is it R51? Is it you? Is it really you? (laughs) It must be because. That smile gives it away. No. No. (laughs) Really? I did not know this was coming. No wonder you sent me out here by myself. Oh, yeah.
1: What are you going to teach us about?
2: (laughs) Don't do that. (laughs) I know a lot of things.
0: You know a lot of things? Can you hear me? Yeah.
2: Can you hear me? Can we, I hear myself? No, okay.
0: <laughs> you know what? This is a little intense.
2: <laughs> um, he couldn't make it.
0: He couldn't make it. Yeah,
2: you know, he got tied up. What'd you do?
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs>
1: Nothing. <clears throat>
0: they they want to be able to hear you more. So, can I turn? Can I touch your microphone? back. Uh,
2: they they want to hear me more?
0: I think they want to hear you more.
2: How's or you, that? Or you could just that? can just lean. How's that? Can you hear me burner. now? Oh. oh, I feel like the real.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh my. Okay, I didn't expect this to ever happen in my lifetime. Are you mad
2: at me? Is she mad at me? <laughs>
0: No, I'm not mad at you. <laughs> You're quite endearing, actually.
2: Oh, it's my hat.
0: It's your hat.
2: Uh huh. You like my hat?
0: I do. It's black and it's and nice. And it's what?
2: What do you like about it?
0: <laughs> it looks good on you.
2: Watch this? <gasps>
0: That's my
1: name.
2: Someone's making a ruckus back there.
1: <laughs>
2: oh, no. That's not right.
1: <laughs> it's nothing. <laughs> Three
0: exclamation points. I love PJ
2: You do?
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> um.
0: <clears throat> yeah, it's a little intense. R51. <laughs>
2: He's not very happy. I bet mean, he's not.
0: <laughs> you tie him up.
2: We, we should go get him.
0: <laughs> <laughs> What'd <do> you do? So as <gasps> you could. We better go
2: we get, better him. get him. We better get him. I'm not going alone. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Are we going together? <laughs> OK. I'll go down.
2: Hey, we're going to take just a minute and show you some previews of these amazing science fair projects that we're getting. And we don't have time to watch the whole thing, but I want to show you a little clip of one of these projects. Take a look.
3: This is my science fair project. My question is, can I make a belt to go around someone's leg so they can avoid obstacles, even if they are blind? My hypothesis is yes. If I use ultrasound sensors, vibrators and a computer, First of all, I have this battery that is going to power all the components on it. Then, I have this ultrasound sensor that is going to send out a signal. And then with this one, it's going to receive the signal. Then I have this computer that is going to take the number, or that this red, and then make this vibrator under here vibrate, determining on how far away the object is. And I programmed this computer. I had to choose different pins on the micro microcontroller. Here's the cut that I wrote. My brother is about to take me into an obstacle course to test my sensors. It's actually kind of work but there is there was this one thing that I did bump because there wasn't a sensor on the sling. I think my hypothesis was correct
0: How about that? Let's hear it for William. All right. your <laughs> <laughs> hair, what do you do to you back there?
2: Well, you're welcome tonight too. <laughs> Today, whatever. Tonight, tonight, today, mm-hmm. hey, wow. we need to talk science, don't we? The people came here to talk science, yeah. Not incarceration, or. <laughs> 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 you know, I'm working on a new thing that actually makes an electronic cage on Area 51.
0: We need to do that <laughs> <laughs> to let him out of there. I'm, uh, I'm shocked.
2: Do you know about Delta?
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Delta
0: an airplane.
2: You see that? Uh That is delta Mm -hmm, and of course I'm speaking from the perspective of the Greek alphabet. Delta. And I'm gonna go ahead since we're just talking science and I'm gonna make a delta T. To an engineer that means something very important. Delta T means the difference in temperature. So if we start with an experiment, this is 70 degrees or room temperature, and then we do maybe some combustion or something, and it ends up at 200 degrees, then we would say the delta T, the change in T is from 70 up to 200,
1: Hmm. all right? Mm -hmm.
2: And that actually becomes very, very important. Important if you're gonna build a hydrogen car. Important if you're gonna generate power, if you're gonna do electricity thing. So we're, we're here gaining knowledge in cellus because we wanna do real big things. And today we're gonna to talk a little bit about how real that is and how it works. What is temperature? It's how hot it is, it's how much you sweat, it's how cool it is. I'm pretty cool. (laughs) Temperature really is a measure of how fast the molecules in the air are vibrating, or if it's water, how fast the molecules in water are vibrating. It's the vibrational energy. If you heat it up, they vibrate faster. If you cool it down, they vibrate slower. It's interesting, if you can think of all of these little things vibrating, they transfer energy to other molecules by bumping into them. And so, a temperature will fill a whole container. If you've got it hot over here in one place where maybe you have a flame, it will spread to the others because they all bump into each other. And pretty soon, if, if you turn the flame off, it'll reach an equilibrium or they'll all be vibrating about the same. And then slowly, some of the heat will dissipate. And How does it dissipate? The vibration hits the container, which is cooler, and the container gets warmer and the molecule gets cooler. So it's about heat transfer, how heat transfers from one place to another. Engineers study a lot about heat transfer, especially chemical and mechanical engineers. And there are different ways that it transfers. One way is by vibrating into each other, which would be a kinetic heat transfer. And then you have other kinds we won't get into right now, but we do want to talk about delta T. If you have one container full of warm and you have another container full of cool, then there is a difference in temperature between them or a temperature differential and the amount of differential we call delta T. If that number, if the difference in temperature is great enough you can generate electricity using that difference in temperatures. And we do that a lot. A lot of our engines are made to get energy out of a differential temperature. There's a whole branch of energy called geothermal, where we get heat from down deep in the earth, heat from lava, from underground volcanoes that haven't erupted yet. And we pull that heat out by heating usually steam and the steam is so hot that it's much hotter than air and so we can have a difference of temperature and we can generate power. I want you to leave here today understanding how to do that. If we could do that, it would be like one of the big moments in the progression of your knowledge and you just may be able to come up with some pretty neat Inventions or technologies based on this. Now I've been looking at some of the science fair entries coming in. Uh, They're exciting. We have never had a science fair like this one. It's like it's like our earlier science fairs were just standing there, and this one's taken off.
1: It's (laughs) it's huge.
2: And we have entries coming from all over the world. So this is truly the International Science Fair. Oh neat. And that's exciting to me. When I was a high school senior and I entered the science fair for my third time, and I won my local science fair for the third time, in my local school and my region, I had the opportunity to go to the International Science Fair. And one of the reasons I got to go that year was because the International Science Fair was right here in the US. In fact, it was in Dallas, Texas. So my chemistry teacher, Mr. Bench, who, who was my advisor, and I got to get in an airplane all paid for by the science fair and we got to go to texas now some of you guys that have never traveled as a business professional
0: <laughs> That's pretty good huh?
2: probably don't even know about per diem per diem I bet they don't. that is how much money they give you to spend on food and on hotel every day and it's so much per day and so they say okay here's your per diem I'm not used to a per diem. I'm used to getting by, and so when we got down there, they had a cafeteria, and the food was was really affordable. So we went and ate at the cafeteria until the last day of the science fair. I looked, and the amount that I had to spend for food every day hadn't even hardly been touched. I hadn't even spent the first day's worth of money, and it was the last day. And I thought, this is per diem day. <laughs> now, <clears throat> I had been to McDonald's and a few places in my lifetime, <laughs> but I'd never been to what they call a real restaurant. You know, they often say, oh, what would you like? And they don't speak very good <laughs> English. You know, you've got to hire who you can get. What would you like, sir? (laughs) (laughs) So um, I asked Mr. Bench if we could go have a really nice meal. And he says, well, you know, I'm not feeling well. I think I'll turn in early tonight. Okay. Maybe I'll just get some. So I went out on the street in Dallas all by myself. How old were you? 17 years old. And almost 18. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I decided I was going to find. The fanciest restaurant in Texas, <laughs> because I had per diem,
0: <laughs> you did, and didn't I you? And I needed to
2: deal with it, so I found this really fancy restaurant. Said so restaurant is fancy, and uh, wow, wow! It turns out it was a French restaurant, but oh. you know, I you know parler vous français. I didn't know, <laughs> so I just went into this restaurant. Now later. When I got in the hydrogen car business and I started winning projects to convert hydrogen cars, I got a lot of projects from the French to do hydrogen cars. There's a company over there called Peugeot. Peugeot is the name of an auto company. And they paid me to develop a hydrogen car for them. And I got to go to France very often. And I love the Eiffel Tower. The Eiffel Tower was made by a great scientist. The guy that really uh, had a breakthrough in how to build structures, strong, lightweight. The Eiffel Tower is very tall and very strong, and yet it uses very little steel. And he knew how to bolt thin pieces of steel together and make them strong. He's the same guy that made the Statue of Liberty. Did you know that? Mm -hmm. The Statue of Liberty. Now, he didn't make the outside part that you see. He made a tower inside to hold it up. And he did bridges and other things. Well, anyway, did you know that in the top of the Eiffel Tower, Eiffel, the guy, built a little apartment for himself? Did you know that? I didn't know that. I have a photograph taken in that apartment with our mentor, that means we're all connected now to the Eiffel Tower, Thomas Edison. They were up there having lunch, and it's a picture of Thomas Edison on top of the Eiffel Tower, and they were good friends. Well, anyway, so much for France. This <laughs> restaurant was French, but I had not yet got a contract with Peugeot. I, I hadn't learned my ten words in French. No. Do you want to hear some of my words? We. <laughs> yes. You know what that means? yes. I don't know what it means, but I know that's French. <laughs> anyway, maybe yes. I do remember. Yes,
0: yes. But
2: I went into this restaurant, and it was really fancy. And I was, you know, in my science fair clothes. But they let me go in. It's fancy table. That gentleman that doesn't speak very good English. Monsieur, Monsieur. He came and pulled my chair out so I could sit down. <laughs> I was, like, top drawer guy. <laughs> I won the science fair. <laughs> so, anyway. Yeah, that's pretty good. It, this was going to be the experience I'd waited for my whole life. I am going to find out what the really retzy people eat. And so they brought out this great big menu, pulled it open. Would you like to see a menu, monsieur? Yeah. he brought it <laughs> There wasn't one word on that menu I could read, except for the word menu. It was all in parlez-vous. And so I started going through, and I thought, maybe I could ask him to translate for him. But I don't know. He probably doesn't know the words in English. Um, So I decided, you know, you have to maintain a certain level of dignity in a situation like this. <laughs> that's and brave. That's really brave. Oh, that's wrong. He did not write it down. A good French restaurateur waiter
1: mm-hmm.
2: never writes it down, always remembers it. They do, don't they? More or less accurately. <laughs> no,
0: they do. They, they, they can <laughs> they memorize the whole table. Like
2: okay. Yeah. And uh, I thought, man, I got quite a bit of per diem. I said,
0: You didn't know what you were doing. Oh, (laughs) okay.
2: And then over on this side, there was a bunch more, and these were more money. And I'm sitting here doing math. Let's see how much money have I got. (laughs) uh, I can afford this. Hmm. What do what that one is? Nah, I think I'll go for this one. You really did this, didn't you? Well, it sure was an R-51, I'll tell you. <laughs> So anyway, he went out, and I thought, man, how did I got a big steak or chicken or, oh, this barbecue maybe. <laughs> so much pressure. But in a few minutes, he came back, and he had a beautiful, pure silver bowl. Great big one. And he came and he set it on my table. We are going bowling. <laughs> a big, beautiful silver bowl with a silver ladle. And then he took this beautiful little bowl, put it in front of me, picked up my napkin, pfft, pfft, <laughs> and, <it took> me
1: <laughs>
2: and he lifted the lid off the bowl. It was soup. I'd, I'd had soup before. <laughs> Soup! This is not filet mignon. I didn't know what mignon was. I should have. This is not steak. This is soup. Well, but it's probably very good soup. So he put some in my bowl. Thank you. Put the lid back on. This is pretty good soup. I could have had anything. I should have known. So I ate it. I was starving. I ate it all. <laughs> I was still kind of hungry. And he came back. And he opened it up and he got me some more. <laughs> it was a big bowl. Huh, huh, thank you. How do you know I was still hungry? I learned years later in France that if it's enough, you don't eat it all. You leave a little bit. It's enough. Hey, he says, stop. Shake it. But I was pretty hungry. When he put the third bowl in, I said, OK, you know, I'm all souped out. And I thought, but I, I pointed to that other thing. There should be something else. And he took it away, and then brought out another bowl. And it was full of salad. It's a great big salad bowl. Like a soup and salad? What was I thinking? <laughs> You're fired. <laughs> and so I had some salad. And this time, when he wasn't looking, <laughs> I pulled an American on him i wouldn't have gotten my own salad. <laughs> yeah, you're like, American? you can't do that. Yeah, I did it. But in America, we can. So I ate that salad and pretty full. I won't say it's the best meal I've ever had. At least it was filling. It was very filling. So I'm ready. I wonder if I get a dessert or something, you know. And so he comes. He takes the salad bowl away. And then he comes up with another big plate with a big silver thing on it, and he sets it down and lifts it off. And that was the beef. <laughs> now, I think there was enough beef there for all of us. But he came, he cuts off a little piece, puts it on a plate, puts it in front of me. And then he had this yellow gooey stuff. Bernays? Bernays sauce. I didn't know about Bernays, but I discovered it. With bernet sauce, even when you're too full to eat, that steak is so delicious. So I bernet sauce, Mm -hmm. Moral of the story, learn some French. (laughs) We do teach French knowing. It's a good thing to know. When you win the science fair, you may need to know French. (laughs) I am amazed at how much your life changed when you're empowered with knowledge. And even with the ability to gain knowledge. Mm-hmm. I, um, I think about these little demonstrations that I want to show you here, and I, I really, I think there's something very interesting. Does that look like a windmill to you? Yeah, there it is. This is an engine. It's called a Stirling engine. A Stirling engine is named after the British guy that kind of invented these. But, you know, some cars run on gasoline, some run on hydrogen, some on diesel, some run on electricity. But a Stirling engine runs on heat differential. All you need is warmth, and it'll make this thing run. And what it does, it's got a little piston that goes up and down here, and in the bottom you have a piece of aluminum that gets warm, It radiates the heat, makes the air expand, pushes the piston, then you have a little valve that's actuated here, and as the valve goes up and down, it lets the air out, and then it does it again and again and again. So you can actually get rotary motion just by having heat. It's a miracle, but I have some heat. (laughs) This is a thermos. Oh, see if it's see still warm. Mm, it's not too warm. It's a little warm. So. Okay. <laughs> so here's some heat. Excuse me. And here's a cup. This is a special cup. It's hard to see, maybe. But it has an outer cup and an inner cup. And because of that, it's insulated. So if I put some heat in there, it won't burn my fingers out here. Go ahead and dump a little bit of this water that's in here. Out. Okay, so I'm going to fill this up with warm water. Can you tell that's kind of warm?
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Ooh, yes.
0: Yeah, steam coming off of it. It's kind of warm. Mm-hmm.
2: So, all I have here is some warmth, some heat, hot water. I'm going to put our little Stirling engine on top of here, like so. Okay, so now the heat that's in this warm water is going to rise and gradually it's gonna get this bottom layer of aluminum warm. And when it gets warm enough, I think we can get this to run like an engine and we could generate power. So delta T, the change in temperature of this warm water compared to the temperature of the air in this room can do work for us. Sterling engines were used on the Voyager spacecraft. The craft is still going way out there in the far space because they could collect heat from the sun and use it to power the Sterling engine. There's also a large Sterling engine which is being used in California to run thousands of homes And the only input to it is heat. It's a way to catch sunlight put it to work. So sterling engines are very interesting. Let's see if I can feel any warmth on this bottom plate. Well, it's not very warm. Should we see if it's warm enough Mm -hmm. to work? Let's do it. Yep, it's not. (laughs) And I'm afraid. It's taken a little while to stop. It's close to warming up, isn't it? Come on, believe yourself. <laughs> I think I can. I think I, think I can. can. I think, <laughs> I, can. Look, it's I, think still going. I can. I think I can. I think I can. I think I can. So the warmth in this cup
0: That's is powering
2: takes. this little engine.
0: That is neat.
2: Wow. So we have just invented a new use for coffee. <laughs> Don't, oh, don't drink that. it. Use it to power your, your cell phone. Right?
0: Powers people, powers cell phones, powers. Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> powers ladies.
0: Powers ladies. Cell
2: phones. <laughs> Two. Cell
0: phones, too. All right.
2: <laughs> I, I just happen to have here another Stirling engine. This one is a little more advanced. Here it is, on this end there's a little glass tube, like the bottom of a test tube, and underneath it is a alcohol lamp. So there's a wick and I have some alcohol in here, so I could light it and I get a little teeny flame like a candle, and that heat would go up and heat this glass. Then the heat from the glass would go into a piston, whoops, piston inside here, and push it down, and then it would vent out the top, we got a little valve up here, And it has a a pulley that will turn this wheel, which is hooked up to a little generator and a little teeny light that maybe we can get to come on if we could get this hot enough. We need a differential temperature. Right now, the temperature of the input is the same as the temperature of the output. And as you can see, it's not running. So I happen to have a source of excitement, also (laughs) called a lighter. I'm going to see if I can light this little alcohol lamp. Did it light?
1: Mm-mm.
2: If it lit, then it would be getting warm. If it didn't light, it wouldn't be quite as impressive. There we go. Can you see a flame? Mm-mm. It's such a little flame, it might be kind of hard to see. In fact, I think we might have, no, it didn't light. Mm-hmm. I think our wick is dry. That ain't good. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So we'll just kind of doctor it up here a little bit. That's
0: not dry on the other side,
2: There's a little bit of alcohol on it now. Okay. bit about alcohol on R1? Okay, here we go. (laughs) Try again. How did it light? Yeah, an outlet. So that's starting to get warm. Meanwhile... Our drink is still powering. I know it's this engine. Isn't that something? It is something the heat that is in that can, just the warmth, is generating power to turn this engine because there is a differential temp- temperature. You can you see a little piston going up and down, up and down, it up is and down? Neat. If I got like that, man, you could really see it. Look at that. Mm-hmm.
0: I really like that.
2: So yeah. the air is expanding, pushing it, and then it vents out. There it is. Okay, this one ought to be getting warm. Maybe give it just a few more minutes because I want that glass to get nice and warm. Now there's a big differential temperature because this flame is actually a lot hotter than this water and we still have the same temperature in the room. So the differential temperature, the difference between the two is much greater. So this should be able to go faster than that. This should have more power. And that differential, the difference in temperature is what scientists call delta T. And I like to get people that work with me used to the terminology of delta T because we use it all the time. It's used in formulas, et cetera. Should be warm by now, should we? See if we can get this started. Don't go that way. What about this way? Don't go that way, either.
0: Well, look, it's doing its magic. Now, if
2: you notice, we're actually generating some electricity here. Do you see that? It's
0: like Morse code, almost. So this
2: (laughs) is, power being generated because it's warmer here than it is coming out of the exhaust. What do you think? And as you can see, this this little guy is really cooking. You see how he's, I mean literally, he's cooking.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: and this one's still going too. Yeah. So what's the moral of the story? Sterling engines really work. They are also very efficient. A normal Stirling engine would have about 50% efficiency, which means half of the heat given off by the alcohol is turning into energy we can make electricity with. Uh, internal combustion engine is about 21% efficient. Most of the heat from the gasoline goes out as warm exhaust or out warmth through the radiator or as friction. This is, this is pretty neat, isn't it? Come back, come back. If I extinguish the flame with my fire extinguisher, (coughs) now, since this little glass tube is still hot, it's gonna still run for a little while because it's got some heat stored up in the glass. But can you hear that it's slowing down? Uh A difference in temperature can do great things. Some people are experimenting with the temperature of water at the top of the ocean and the temperature at the bottom. And they're using that differential temperature to try to generate power. Some people do it with geothermal, which is where water is very hot. In a steam engine, that's really what we're doing. We're using the differential temperature which we make with a flame. So, delta T, the difference in temperature, and, there we go. There it is, right there. The difference in temperature can be put to work to do things for us, and I think that's really fascinating. I'd like to say these are about 50% efficient, but it's possible that we could make devices that are much more efficient, and of course that's where we go. My hydrogen electrolyzer slash fuel cell has been tested in the fuel cell mode at 93% efficient. To do that, we had to take a 10 kilowatt fuel cell and run it for about 4 tenths of 1 kilowatt. So we had to re down power it, which meant we lowered the current density. But it still was able to show very, very high efficiency. Efficiency is so much of what counts in energy. Um, For example, if you had a car that instead of 21% efficient, it was, say, 42%, on the same tank, go twice as far. Diesel engines are more efficient than gasoline engines, and for two reasons. One is diesel engines have a higher compression ratio, so they are able to get more of the energy out of the fuel when it burns. And second, they don't have a throttle, so the volumetric efficiency of the engine is much lower because, you know, probably, okay, we're running out of heat we in our little drink here, water. but we're still going. And this is just a little teeny cup of warm water. We, we don't see it. We don't see it. Nobody sees it. There's a need. There's something, but no one knows how to do it. And then someone figures out how. And there it is. And then everybody is, yeah, anybody could have figured that out. That Why mean. didn't they? They did yeah. that with the hydrogen engine. I yeah. was trying to build one, they said, you can't run an engine on hydrogen. I had very knowledgeable people tell me, you can't run an engine on, on hydrogen. And one of the advisors that helped me, who was a college professor in electrical engineering, knew a lot about engines. Even showed me in the book where it says you can't run an engine on hydrogen. It's impossible. It's theoretically impossible. I packed up all my hydrogen gear and put it under my bed for a month. month? Once I was smart enough to know it was impossible. And then I kind of forgot why he said it was impossible, so I got it back out. (laughs) And it was just a couple months later that it ran for the very, very first time. I had worked on that project for three years. I was going That was going to be my science fair in the 10th grade, the 11th grade, and finally in the 12th grade, if I'm the work. And, and it's changed the whole course of my life. The best projects are often the hardest. And there were many, many, many times, like after I received this advice from this very wise engineer, there were many times I was ready to give up. And I'm glad I didn't. The day I won the science fair, they took my picture and put it on the front page of the newspaper. That's kind of like
1: <laughs>
2: it's not my best picture, and back then they wouldn't let you Photoshop them.
1: Well, that's right. So it was just, it was just it was raw right me. But anyway,
2: there I was, and it said that I had made an engine that runs on hydrogen, and in the background's my engine. That wonderful. PhD engineer saw that picture, called me on the telephone. I thought he's gonna congratulate me. He said, why did you lie? That engine did not run on hydrogen. It couldn't. It's impossible. Mm, Not
0: that kind of congratulations. And I thought,
2: why did I cheat? Oh (laughs) I did. But you know, later, that same guy. Became my professor at the university mm-hmm. and he worked on my hydrogen cars and was very 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 helpful. The book he was refer- referring to was written by a guy named Ricardo that had made one of the very first internal combustion engines and he tried all the different fuels and he found that when you run an engine on hydrogen it made it backfire. Now R-51 <laughs> who is not in favor with us right now, is he? <laughs> but R51 thinks that there are people in, that watch science live that would like to see what it means to have a hydrogen engine backfire. I
0: think he's right.
2: And you know, Ricardo, who did his work clear back in the late 1800s, 1890s, I believe, in the early 1900s, he actually believed what he wrote because his hydrogen engine only backfired, so he went on to other fuels. Well, R-51 knows that I know how to make engines backfire. <laughs> uh, in yeah. fact, that was the one thing I could do. And getting them so they would run instead of backfiring was a big challenge. But a backfire is when you're trying to start it and it blows up. It blows and, up? Uh, uh, it blows up. Oh. Yeah. So he'd like us to demonstrate that. I and I was thinking, well, that might be a good use for him.
0: <laughs> Is there a rivalry going here? No. 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 There's a
2: rivalry ending, right? Here. Oh,
1: it's ending.
0: But at
2: any <laughs> rate, um, yeah. it would be uh, possible to show a demonstration like that and show how hard it was and then show what made the impossible possible. Many things are impossible when you don't have the knowledge to know how to do it. And that's why I'm so concerned about your education, because the things you're learning are giving you the power to make things that would otherwise be impossible. Feathers in your bonnet, coins in your purse, part of your your life's happiness. You were in cahoots with them, weren't you? I had no
0: idea what was coming. You were. No. <laughs> All I know as we were walking look out. Look at that guilty <laughs> look.
2: That is a guilty look. It's, we will talk later. Yeah.
0: We will when talk we later, won't we? For the rest
2: of you that entered oh. the science fair, thank you. I'm so excited. It's going to be a lot of fun to go through those. And uh, this science fair is a turning point. We have the new award from the, from the US Navy. Uh, we have, the Army too. I mean from the Army, we have the other award from the Navy, the Navy already had a award. The Army has a brand new one they invented for our science fair. And I think a lot of the companies are starting to look at these. What you do well in the science fair just may open the door for you to get a job. For me, it gave me a scholarship, a full scholarship to the college of my choice. And it gave me the opportunity to start a business and launch a career. So. It's worth the effort. So keep up the good work, study hard, and we will be back to you soon. We have the graduation ceremony coming up on May 29th uh, here in Kansas City. A lot of people will be coming here. And we will be broadcasting that. So if you uh, haven't seen that, are we going to broadcast that on the Science Live channel? Can we do that? Uh, that's our big channel. Uh, we have over 10 million people that tune into this channel. It would be fun to make this available to all of them. Uh, so we'll have our Sales Academy graduates. And if you haven't ordered your cap and gown, you better get one if you're going to come. And if you're not going to come, some of the students who have graduated are ordering their caps and gowns so that they can do it at home. And they'll send us a video of them getting their diploma at home. And we'll send you the diploma, and then maybe you can get someone that you really respect, like your parents, to present it to you. <laughs> and then we'll let you post it on the Pisella site. But it's exciting to see you achieving this milestone in your lives. And the diploma is neat, it will open doors. But the knowledge you're gaining, getting that diploma, that's what's going to make you great. Look, it's still turning. I'm
0: impressed with that amount mm-hmm. of energy and that. Yeah. It's neat.
2: That is what we call a cup full of energy.